Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just $60, bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that sees two movies with something in common go head-to-head to see which one does it better. And welcome to part two of this week's Face Off. On Monday's episode, we bathed together in the glow of nostalgia from the Goonies. And today we meet our challenger, a movie that proves anything Steven Spielberg and Richard Donner can do, Shane Black and Fred Decker can do similar Pirates and Treasure are out. Ahoy there! Dracula and Frankenstein are in. It's going to be a tough decision on which movie emerges as champion from this week's Clash, because today, from 1987, we're the Monster Squad. Release the Kraken! Hello, Clash Potters. I'm Alex Zane. I'm Vicky Crompton. And I'm Chris Tilly. So this is part two. We did the Goonies on Monday. We are doing the Monster Squad today. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for joining us. As a reminder, I picked these movies. You're welcome. And the connection this week, uh, if you have forgotten, is the films of Mary Ellen Trainer. <laughs> <laughs> films in which Mary Ellen Trainer plays a mother to our protagonists. Um, no, it's not. It's not all gangs of youths are bad news. News. Not all gangs of youths yeah, are. I still don't like that one. Um, can I can I go back to yeah. Ellen Trainer because I did say on the last one this is this is her third and fourth film on Clash of the Titles. Do you know the other two that she's appeared in? Uh, uh, yes. As long as there are no further questions, yes, I do. <laughs> what are they, Alex? No, that's another question. That doesn't. That's not fair. <laughs> uh, we haven't done any. Lethal Weapons. I know her mainly from the Riggs' psychiatrist in the Lethal Weapon films, which we haven't done. So I know I'm going to kick myself. She was the sister in... uh, These aren't ones we've done, but she's the sister in Romancing the Stone as well. 
And she's the reporter, Gail Wallens, in Die Hard and Ricochet. She plays the same character in both films. Bit of Stephen D'Souza crossover. What has she been in that we've covered, Chris? Scrooged and Congo. Oh, bollocks. I, knew I was, was going to say Congo. Oh, what, what is she in? What is, what is she in Congo? Not what is she? Who is she in Congo? I didn't think she played a gorilla. She's Moira in Congo, and that's all I've got. <laughs> Who's God. Moira? Yeah, who the hell is Moira? You can't just say you got. You've just IMDb'd it, Chris. You don't remember her being in Congo. That's cheating. Uh, I call. I call foul. That's that's uh, that's not fair. And do you know who her um, famous husband was? Mr. Trainer. Robert Zemeckis. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Otherwise known as Mr. Trainer. <laughs> um, oh, okay, good. Uh, well, uh, I think that deserves a rewatch of Congo. That's my uh, that's my weekend <laughs> sorted. <laughs> uh, right then, we have uh, done the Goonies, which was Vicky. The Monster Squad is today. I gave the Monster Squad to you, Christopher. Take us on a journey. Cool. Uh, as the Monster Squad hasn't got a huge amount of plot, I'm going to give you a bit of synopsis and a bit of context in my intro. So, when Dracula, Frankenstein, the Wolfman, the Gillman and the Mummy rise up to take over the world, the adults don't take any notice. So it's left to a group of misfit kids to fight back by locating a magical amulet and opening a vortex that will banish the creatures for good. Written by Shane Black and Fred Decker... The Monster Squad hit screens in 1987 and quickly sank without a trace. But then something strange happened. The film screened around the clock on cable, introducing the movie to legions of kids. When those kids grew up, it became the focus of anniversary screenings and fan events on the festival and convention circuit. Then, when the film finally hit DVD, it sold in huge numbers, turning the Monster Squad, belatedly, into Black and Decker's biggest success since the portable drill. <laughs> it's Score! nice. Score! Love it. Yeah. I had to really go around the houses to get to that. Mm. It's fair enough. What, yeah, whatever. It is. Yeah, you did. Yeah, it was yeah, worth it. <laughs> was it? No, it was. It was. It was, yeah. Took me down there to killing people. And if it's monsters, nobody's going to do a thing about it but us. In the world, remember? Maybe we can be like mascot and stingy. You know, do mask bombs. Yeah, 1035, big back up. Hurry up. Ah! Nature Squad. The book is right. Don't you think it's all true? By midnight. You guys. They won't seem so young anymore. Monster Squad. Wolfman's gone. So, first watch. First watch, people. Uh, Vicky, was this a first watch for you? I feel like it might have been. 
Yeah, it was. I've never even heard of it. Mm. I'm really sorry. And imagine my surprise when I found out that Shane Black wrote it, who's my new favourite man, um, since doing this podcast because I've had to like listen to interviews with him and find out stuff about him rather than just relying on the lazy opinion that he might probably be a bit of an arsehole. Turns out he's not, and I think he's great. And obviously he's a brilliant writer. Um, but I was really surprised that he wrote it, and it went. It meant that I went into it with extremely high expectations. Mm. Interesting. You know, I don't think you're alone. I, I don't. I know it's. I know this is like. I sort of assumed this had attained the cult status, maybe not of the Goonies, but it reached for more people than it had. But I don't think it has. I think like it's like the fact that no one got this movie, even when people were pairing the Goonies on our Twitter page at ClashPod. The Monster Squad never popped up, uh, which means I think I think it's still it's still a bit of an anomaly. I don't think as many people know about this movie as they should. I come from a place where I absolutely adored this movie as a child. I think I must have watched it about 10, 12 times as a kid, but I stopped. It's not been a rewatch for me. So again, much like The Goonies on Monday, first time in about 30 years since I've seen this movie. Uh, boy, was I excited. How old do you think you were when you watched it, Alex, first time? Probably about five years younger than you, I imagine. <laughs> something like that. <laughs> Around that. Because I, I wish, I, 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 I guess I was about 10 when it came out, nine. I wish I could have seen it when I was the age I saw The Goonies, which was seven. But I think I was probably mm. closer to 15 when I saw this. Um, it that was been, older than me. It would have been a video rental. And I think that's part of the problem with this film. And I'm gonna, uh, once we've gone through the movie, I'll, I'll talk about um, why it flopped. But um, it was a PG-13 in America and it was a 15 in the UK. So this is a film that, that is for kids. And yeah, mm. if, in England, if you were under 15, you could not see it. And, uh, you know, that was the kiss of death for it. Uh you could if you were my my in my house with my mum's loose respect for rating systems of video cassette boxes. You know, she, you know, I mean, like Robocop when I was fourteen, that was a, that was a bit much. But thanks, mum. I see this movie hit me. I was about ten or eleven when I saw it, and I absolutely loved monsters. As a kid, like, like, just to give you an idea that I, I, I rebought recently three Usborne books that I had as a kid because I wanted to go on a nostalgia journey, which were about UFOs, monsters, and ghosts. I, as an eleven-year-old, took all the bulbs out of my bedroom lamps and replaced them with red and green bulbs. <gasps> I put did my that. Chemistry oh my god! <laughs> I just had red ones and I thought it was the most. I was like, look at my spooky room. And I think oh. I've buried that memory. I've never admitted that to anyone and I've buried that memory. That's amazing. Amazing. Sorry, oh. carry on. Carry on. Yeah, no. I mean, I stuck a sign that said Monster Lab on the door <laughs> and I I got out a chemistry set that I'd been bought and just left it out on my desk with half-filled test tubes <laughs> and I wore a white coat when I was hanging out in my room like a scientist who had a monster lab. But so, by yourself, like not with a squad, <laughs> just just you. I was the monster boy. <laughs> the, the, the monster child. You are yeah, I was, I was if this movie, <laughs> if this movie was a solo performance, if there was one person in this movie, then yes, this would be very similar to my life. And who was your but favorite no, monster, get, Alex? 
as a kid, mm. um, of the one that the one that I, I guess my favorite would be the one that scared me most. And of all creatures as a kid, the thing that scared me most was a werewolf. I was terrified of werewolves. Dracula was always camp to me. Um, and Frankenstein, uh, you know, he sort of is he a goodie? Is he a baddie? Ugh, no. And uh, but the Wolfman was uh, werewolves in general. I found absolutely like the idea that one could be out there and they move so fast and it's that primal thing, claws and teeth. So werewolves, Chris, what was yours? Wait and see. Uh, shall we talk about the movie? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. A, Let's talk about the movie. A bit of Go background on. first. Um, and I've got some really interesting information on this one off the back of a, a, a documentary called Wolfman's Got Nards, um, mm. which was co-directed by Andre Gower, who, who plays Sean, the lead in this film. It hasn't actually um, come out in the UK yet or anywhere, actually. But I know I believe distribution's coming soon for it. But I saw it at, at, at Fright Fest, at its European premiere. And there's some really interesting stuff about the making of this film. So basically, it was um, Fred Decker, the director and co-writer, and Shane Black, who we just mentioned, um, met at UCLA. They became friends. And around the time that Shane Black realized he wasn't very good at acting and might be a bit better at writing, um, Decker asked him to help him out on a project that he called The Little Rascal Meets the Universal Monsters. Um, so Black went away and wrote a 150-page script, which would have cost, uh, he estimates, $40 million to make, which was way out of their hmm. price range. So he and Decker uh, rewrote it together and really pared it down. And they took it to Universal, logically, because they wanted to use all of the monsters from the Universal Studios back catalogue. Uh, Universal turned them down, had no interest in it. So they decided to push ahead elsewhere um, using the characters, but not recreating the same look of the Jack Pierce designs that Universal <laughs> had used. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll save it for the moment, but we do need to talk about exactly what copyright means because <laughs> <laughs> I'm, 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 a, I'm a little confused as to exactly, you know, how stringent these guidelines about not ripping off someone else's property is. Uh, for this movie, <laughs> and if if we're calling it ripping off, it was actually Stan Winston, the fact the, the special yeah. effects and makeups uh, wizard Stan Winston, who sketched all the creatures himself, and all the designs are based Traced. off of his drawings. <laughs> 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 all right, so uh, the film uh, begins with a prologue. And I'm going to read you out the brief prologue. It says, 100 years before this story begins, it was a time of darkness in Transylvania, a time when Dr. Abraham Van Helsing and a small band of freedom fighters conspired to rid the world of vampires and monsters and to save mankind from the forces of eternal evil. They blew it. <laughs> um, which I, I think is funny, but then it can't, doesn't it spoil the next scene where we watch them going into battle? I, I feel like yeah. it takes all the tension out of that by that cheap joke. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It would be like it would be like if um, the new <laughs> a new hope started with Luke's going to meet Darth Vader, who he yet doesn't know is his father. <laughs> so we, we have a fun <laughs> we have a fun opening sequence though, um, showing that which is the townspeople bursting into a, a castle. A bride gets staked, so we know that this is kind of it's quite violent. It's quite edgy for a kids' film. Um, there's a virgin woman has to read something to a magical amulet. Uh, there's skeletons emerging. There, we see uh, a bat transform into vam a vampire in a quite cool sort of transformation scene of four moves that I think is quite cleverly done. 
And then the vortex appears and sucks these monsters in. And uh, that is your prologue. And then it cuts to the present day. Yeah. There were, I watched, did you watch a couple of the deleted scenes that, I mean, there are two things I think, first of all, I think you, you kind of mentioned it for Shane Black had a $40 million script. I started reading that script and, like the, what oh, he wanted would have been super cool. I couldn't find oh, I'll that. I'll send it to you. Yeah, yeah. What, so what, what, what's in it? Because obviously that opening scene is very different. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's got ze- like men on horseback, zeppelins flying overhead. <laughs> it's like this huge scene. And then there's um, a bit, a much smaller bit, but a bit that kind of I think really helps to explain it, that they actually shot that you can watch on YouTube, which you might have seen where they've staked Dracula at the start and he's got a stake through his heart. So they've caught him and staked him. But then this guy who's watching Dracula's body while Van Helsing is in the castle is attacked by his brides. And he runs out of stakes trying to fend them off. And so he pulls the stake out of Dracula's heart to defend himself. And Dracula wakes up. And this really starts to help set up like what happens in the modern day a little better. Because it's all... I was very confused at the start about exactly where Dracula goes. Um, he just, like, the vortex opens, but he's not even around. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, there's um, there's that good... There's that, there's that deleted scene, um, which is on YouTube. Anyone can watch it. Cool. Uh, we'll, we'll post it on Twitter. Um, so then we're in the present day, and uh, sort of the next hour, you're kind of telling two separate stories we're we're establishing the monster squad and we're establishing the monster themselves so the monster squad um you've got sean who's kind of the leader who's who we meet he's drawing pictures um of monsters to post on the door of the club and he's got a stephen king rules t-shirt and I love he, that t-shirt. He's desperate to watch. <laughs> I, just, I just bought it. I was Did watching you? it, and I went. Yeah, I went online immediately, like a nerd, and went. Oh, bought that. So yeah, I, I'm. I'm awaiting the arrival of my Stephen King rules t-shirt as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> do you not do that ever? Because you can pretty much any t-shirt that you see in a movie, they have made somewhere now. Uh, do you never immediately? I, just re- I honestly really thought about it, but then I thought if it wasn't a million miles away from Christmas, I just would have had an earmark for your Christmas present. But it's um, it's right. You've ruined oh. that now. So yeah, don't worry about it. I mean, for me, it's something I would have considered when I was a teenager, but I'm in my forties now, so. <laughs> No. Well, when I get to my 40s, I'll stop doing it. <laughs> Alex, Alex is very much 40. Um, no. 41. Um, <laughs> I've been camping. I feel like I'm aging really quickly on this show, like, like the Nazi at the end of The Last Crusade. Um, and Sean as well, it's something I've not spotted before. He's really, really keen to watch a horror film called Groundhog Day Part 12. Yeah, yeah. That isn't really that weird? Isn't that weird? Yeah, mm. weird. Yeah. Um, and so um, we meet Horace, who, thanks to a glandular problem, problem, is overweight, and he's getting bullied and beaten up by the brother from the Wonder Years. The kid. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, I had to look that up. That was driving me insane. <laughs> very recognisable face. Always played a bully, but he was very effective. Mm. Um, and at that point, we also meet Rudy, the cool kid who shows up yes! on his bike, smoking yes! a cigarette. Come on, man. Like, how old is this kid? He's smoking a bike at school. You can't do that. Like, how old is he supposed to be? Honestly, like 12. Um, uh, hang on. Do you know what? It doesn't matter, as The Rock <laughs> says, because, like, he's so cool. I remembered watching this. Rudy is the reason I still smoke, because I... <laughs> 
was in. I thought Rudy was the co- coolest character I'd seen in a movie ever, and I love the fact he smoked. And just as <laughs> just as soon as I was old enough, I had one of those cigarettes in my mouth, <laughs> just like Rudy. Why wait? He's only about eight, anyway. What's he doing to wait? He's immediately here. No, but seriously. <laughs> He's immediately heroic, though. He makes the bullies eat a dirty candy bar um, in the process of rescuing Horace. So we like him. Um, and we've also got Patrick and Eugene, uh, members of the Monster Squad. I can't remember much about them. And Phoebe, who is the little sister who desperately wants to join the group. So she's very much the Vicky of this gang. <laughs> <laughs> you little fucker. Oh. Uh, uh, who, who would you be, Chris? Because I'm Rudy, obviously. So Vicky's Phoebe. Who are you? I see you as Eugene, actually, Alec. Oh, no, I'm not Eugene. Or maybe Patrick. Oh, no, not. Patrick's not the least memorable oh. one. I may be yeah. Patrick. <laughs> the two that Apparently, no one knows. <laughs> Andre Gower actually screen tested for the role of Rudy and he was upset when he didn't get it because he wanted to be Rudy because he's the cool kid in his own words. I would be the German dude. <laughs> that's a good Scary German dude. Scary yeah. German dude. In fact, that's what he's called in the credits, isn't it? Scary I noticed German that. <laughs> so I've just mm. talked about Shane Black being an excellent writer, but I watched the credits and so many people are called Thingy's sister and Scary German dude. It's like, just give them a fucking name. Like, it takes two seconds. Oh, I don't mind Scary German dude. I think he's doing that on purpose, but we'll get to Patrick's sister. But the fact that she's credited Patrick. as Patrick's sister is really, is not yeah. cool. We will get to Patrick's <laughs> sister. Don't you I, worry. I have to, at this stage, Vicky, do, are we, I'm getting the vibe that you enjoyed this because I, I wondered if he went back and watched the trailer because um, the trailer for this really tried to make it seem like it was going to be a Ghostbusters I know. So movie. I haven't seen the trailer, but I saw the poster. I love the poster. And it's like, you know who you call for ghosts? I was like, yeah, yeah. I do. I do know. Yeah. I really know. That's that. It's exactly that in the trailer. It goes, you know who to call when you've got ghosts, but who do you call when you've got monsters? Yeah. So again, very high expectations, which is possibly a mistake. And the, the Monster Club, they sit in an amazing treehouse and argue about uh, monsters mm. all day. Um, uh, did we either of you in a gang like this or, or hang out in a treehouse like this? No, but I'd love the treehouse as like an aspiration. You know, there's mm. the pirate ship in the Goonies and the the treehouse as, you know, the den space that kids can escape. To. I didn't, we, we never had a den. There just wasn't, there was not the space. Um, I remember for my, <laughs> this makes us sound really poor, but we weren't. But for my 16th birthday, I made my mum and dad basically like give me the shed because I was so sick of being in my house because there was not, there was no room in my house. There was no space, no privacy, nothing. And I was like, look, all we do is keep a fucking dusty old lawnmower in there. I want it and I painted it with my friends and stuck little things on the wall and posters of I can't even remember what and just sat in there and smoked fags and did that for about three mm. weeks it was like oh there's too many spiders in here I'm just gonna sack that off um and then it was <laughs> basically it was the bridging period between being able to get into a pub the minute I could get into a pub I didn't need a shed but there was an awkward sort of six months where I couldn't pass for 18 and so and I didn't want to be in my house You've got a shed now, though, and obviously the pubs are closed. Are you down at the bottom of your garden quite a lot with a bottle of gin? I was going to tell you this. We're getting the kids to paint it. We're going to turn it into a tiki bar. The minute you're allowed rounds, come round. That is honestly happening. (laughs) Any joke that involves child labour, I am happy with. (laughs) It's going to be brilliant. 
Um, so this treehouse where they hang out, there are no girls allowed, and but it's got a view into a girl, a teenage girl's bedroom. And I think that this happened in almost every teenage movie in the 80s in America. Did every house and treehouse look into a girl's bedroom window? <laughs> <laughs> I think they did, yeah. <laughs> um, and so while the monster squad is assembling, the monsters are all, uh, also arriving in town. So there's a World War II plane for some reason um, containing crates <laughs> of uh, dead bodies, um, including a crate that says Frankenstein Bavaria on it, uh, <laughs> flying into town. And a bat gets loose in that plane and it turns out to be Dracula, who... Um, so. Well, you explain. This is the bit I was trying to allude to at the start. Why are they on this plane? Like when I was saying, I don't really understand how what happened in Transylvania back then then ends up with Dracula and Frankenstein on this plane. It was the, is it, why? Is it just because? Why not? Well, it's a hundred years later, isn't it? So every hundred yep. years, uh, this thing happens, and so they're right. all getting to the place dracula's basically getting the gang back together ah uh, so he's put them on the plane yes he's put frankenstein on the plane okay yeah okay, he's okay, the one okay. he's the boss man and he is trying to assemble all the monsters uh i felt that someone another party had put them on the plane and they were just being shipped somewhere like to a museum or something but i think a lot of this film this watch as an adult i was like well that doesn't that doesn't hold water. I need more. I, I need more explanation there. But as a kid, I didn't care. Mm. I filled in the blanks myself. Yeah, and and we've talked about this that sometimes this podcast encourages us to overanalyze films yeah. that, that, <laughs> that that previously you just watched and go, yeah, I don't care. That's fine. On to the next scene. Yeah, um, agreed. So Dracula turns into a bat, flies out after his cargo, and next thing we know, he's in town uh, with a very cool car. I don't know where he got that. With a silver skull, <laughs> it's completely badass. I'm not asking any questions. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. We meet uh, a wolf man in town who's desperate to be uh, locked up. Um, he's so good. He's so isn't good. He? It's really, really. It's like a moving scene when he bursts into the police station and he's like, "Just shoot me, shoot me." It's like, wow. Like it could have been done even for laughs, and it would have been good. But the way he does it, he's like, "I've got one shot, and I'm going to make my name as as this Wolfman, and I'm just going to give it everything." I thought he was brilliant. And and actually, that uh, the Wolfman does get a couple of very effective transformation scenes in this. Uh, yeah. One in a phone box, one in the back of an ambulance. You know, I, I guess a few years previous with a bit more money, John Landis had done the, the one take transformation really effectively. And mm. here they don't have that kind of budget. But I think the way they do it with yeah. the clever cutaways or just the, the uh, you know... Um, what, what, they put a blanket over him in an ambulance. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's very clever. It's the way stick a blanket on him. <laughs> no, but the way he bursts out of his shoe, I think that's what that's giving you the information yeah. you need. I'm joking. It, it's it's well done on a budget, but he is under a blanket in a, <laughs> on a stretch. Um, uh, Dracula summons the mummy and the Wolfman together, and the Gill Man out of the water, who brings Frankenstein's coffin with him. He attaches electrodes to Frankenstein's uh, temples and summons lightning, which brings Frankenstein back to life and says, uh, welcome, wake up, old friend. It is our time. So, Alex, mm. you wanted to talk about copyright infringement. It's <laughs> now a good point to do that. <laughs> yeah, why not? Thanks, Chris. Yeah. Um, so, obviously, it's a Sony movie, not a Universal movie. So, as we said, they weren't allowed the Universal monster designs. They weren't allowed the creature from the Black Lagoon. Um, so, we have Gill Man. 
entirely different. Uh, but mainly, it's it was reading an interview with a, a member of Stan Winston's team who, who just talks about how they made it different. And he says, so, for example, uh, just look at our, our Frankenstein's monster. The universal Frankenstein monster uh, is uh, the Boris Karloff creature. But you see, what we've done, it, it looks a bit like that, but instead of putting bolts in the neck, ours has bolts in its forehead. Mm. <laughs> you're, like, you're just waiting for the, the rep from Universal to come. Hi, I'm the rep from Universal. Just checking you haven't infringed on our copyright. Just going to take a look at your Frankenstein. What the hell? That's exactly the same. You know what you're making me think of, Alex? You're making me think of coming to America where the re- the fast food restaurant, it's not McDonald's, it's McDowell's and they don't have golden arches. <laughs> they don't have golden arches. They have golden arcs. <laughs> <laughs> but i couldn't believe it when i read it i was like i was like, I wonder what they've done to get away with this it's where the bolts are on frank they're on his forehead though yours are on his neck ours totally different on his fucking forehead mate so, so before, get out. before get out, it was universe. before it was a sony film but it was a tristar pictures distributed it it was it was someone called taft entertainment uh made it i think it was basically a matter of and people sort of allude to this um talking about the film on on the documentary that universal just didn't care they wasn't interested they weren't interested in this ip they weren't interested in making the movie and they weren't interested in going after anyone else who who potentially infringed on their designs it was just something that they were not interested in well well we don't really care at the moment but you just wait. We're saving it for our dark universe and the mummy. <laughs> then, then we'll care. Well, we could very... I think we should do Invisible Man sometime, the new one. That's really good. Oh, yeah, it is. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science, with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Are you ready for truly hydrated skin? Meet Hyaluronic Body Serum, a breakthrough in body care from Osea. It's clinically proven to instantly increase hydration by 161%. Their lightweight, fast-absorbing serum delivers 24 hours of nonstop hydration for silky, smooth skin without the sticky afterfeel. Osea's latest innovation combines the magic of their best-selling Hyaluronic Sea Serum with a new formula that's good for the whole body and five types of hyaluronic acid to target every layer of the skin. Osea is a women-founded, women-led brand that's been crafting seaweed-powered products for nearly 30 years. The best part? Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code SUMMER. He just says, how many holes does a straw have? Zero, one, or two. The internet can't figure it out, so I've done what any sane person would do. Ask the Luke and the Pete. Join me, Pete Donaldson, and Luke Moore for an unplanned half hour every Monday and Thursday as we talk about, well, anything really, from your emails to life's great mysteries to this guy. The noise you're going to hear sounds like a man being interrupted by a car. He isn't being interrupted by the car. He is making... Making the car sound. <laughs> How on earth is he doing that? How does he make that noise? Listen now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Luke and Pete Show is a Stakhanov production. Back to uh, Monster Squad. So. Um, the Monster Squad meet up with scary German guy. Uh, there is a funny moment where they um, w- they say, what's German for please don't murder us? Which is a funny <laughs> moment. He overhears them until when you think back to that scene, a bit later on, we find out that he, he's got numbers on tattooed on his arm and he was in the Holocaust. And so that actual line takes on a completely different meaning um, when you see it in that context, so and yeah, I, I totally missed that the first time round. He was he was a Holocaust survivor. Yeah, yeah, it comes out. Of, yeah. It's for me. It's, it was a good moment, but it did kind of come out of nowhere when they're like, "Oh, thanks, Mister. You sure do know a lot about monsters." And he's like, "Yes, I do. See my Nazi camp tattoo." It's like fucking mm. hell, man. But like, it, it just I wasn't ready for it. That's all. It just t- uh, took me back a bit. I, I think it's one of those yeah. things as well, as if you know you're a grown-up and you understand, and if you're a kid, it's just going to go over your head. Um, yeah. Which I don't have a with. But that scene, uh, scary German guy gives them pie. We, we realise he's not a scary guy. He's really uh, a good guy. Um, and he's yeah, Because of- what's more American than pie? <laughs> exactly. He's, <laughs> he's a good immigrant. <laughs> and uh, he sort of starts explaining the MacGuffin of the movie, which is this talisman that, that wards off... Um, evil <laughs> i like this scene my only little sticky thing with it is it's cool it's like, oh there's a vortex and an amulet but then scary german guy says however there is another option and i think when you're explaining your thing if saying there is another option is an option it possibly is a little bit too complicated <laughs> you might want to pair it back a bit like there is another option it's never a mysterious or inciting thing to say anyway <laughs> 
<laughs> but the, the the German guy is at the first guy they go because they're, they're looking for someone to translate Van Helsing's diary, which is in German, and they have a discussion about it, which is one of the the, the great non sequitur jokes of the movie, where uh, Patrick goes, uh, "My sister takes German at high school." And another kid goes, she doesn't take German. She just stands around and lets the guys touch her tits. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Great. <laughs> I, look, I get that it, it's uh, it's not okay now, but like as a non sequitur, she doesn't take German. <laughs> she just stands around and lets the guys touch her tits. It's funny. <laughs> uh, oh, I'm so sorry, Vicky. I just got, I laughed and then I went, I'm going to say it on the show. And then I went, don't say it on the show. Vicky will be there. And then uh, the bad part of me won. So well, are, you, are, you, are you implying that Vicky wouldn't like it or that Vicky would see too much of herself in that character? <laughs> I speak fluent French. Do you not know? <laughs> By which I mean, I stand around in the shed, <laughs> moving, letting the neighbours. All right, moving anyway. swiftly on. Moving swiftly on. Um, when you, what did you say? It was a tiki bar. <laughs> I didn't. I said titty bar. You know um, I did. <laughs> oh, and now, yeah. now we get some really great scenes where the monsters and the monster squad start crossing over a little bit. So um, Eugene is trying to is convinced there's a monster in his closet, but his dad isn't having any of it. And that's a very funny reveal when we see the monster just standing there in his closet while his dad mm. is making a joke of it. Mm. Um, <laughs> He's so good. Eugene is probably one of the funniest characters in it. And uh, Frankenstein and Phoebe meet up. So Phoebe is the little girl who's desperate to be a member of the gang. Um, it was a scene taken straight out of the Universal movie where they meet by a little riverbank. And uh, they make friends. Uh, and she wants uh, the squad. She sees like Frankenstein as her way into the, the gang. And she wants them to meet Frankenstein. They're all terrified. And I love it when she shouts out, don't be chicken shit. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she is a very funny kid, and so when it becomes clear they're going to have to go to war with the monsters, we get a montage, and everyone yeah. loves the montage. But I don't think everyone is pulling their weight in this montage. <laughs> what do you? Oh no, because really, yeah, the montage threw me because I was like, is that a kid making a bullet? But all right, fine, maybe schooling is different in America. Um, <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what they're doing. Phoebe is dressing Frankenstein up. Sean is yeah. looking at a map. Patrick is making membership cards. Eugene is doing a is a letter writing uh, uh, project, and Rudy is making wooden stakes and silver bullets and sourcing a bow and arrow. So, yes, because uh, Rudy's a badass. He is a badass. Told you. Although the letter that Eugene's writing is kind of a joke. It just says, "Dear Army guys, come quick! There are monsters." Yeah, but it works. It pays I off. I thought the army guy at the end, the uh, the army guy at the end, has got that letter rolled up in his pocket, doesn't he? Because yeah, like, he's, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I think they miss a trick there by not having that army guy uh, demanding to speak to Eugene and then being put in front of a little kid. <laughs> yes, that's a good idea. Um, and so they're getting ready for action, and we see what uh, the monsters are up to as well. Dracula's doing his thing. He's got the wolfman tied up, uh, ready to go into action. He's got three girls in a cupboard that he's going to turn into his brides. Um, and then we've got some really clever, funny Shane Black conceits. So uh, kicking off with uh, the famous kicking in the film, uh, Horace kicking the wolfman in the bollocks and shouting out, Wolfman's got nards. 
Uh, was this a big deal to you, Alex? This line was a big deal to me when me and my brother were kids. Yeah, isn't that weird? I don't, I don't know why. I don't know whether it was, be, uh, but yeah, this was a, a huge thing. The, I think it was honestly like you run that scenario in your head. You're like, if you were attacked by a werewolf, or at least I did, you were attacked by a werewolf. What would you do? And see that you could kick it in the nards uh, and discovering the word nards for the first time. Uh, it was a huge moment. So was nards a word that was in? use in america at the time or did this get made up for what the monster squad by shane black good question because the closest i've got we, we have got we use the word gonads um mm. so you might say nads over here but certainly we never said nards but yeah i mean i just remember playing this scene over and over again because it made my brother very nearly piss himself each time <laughs> um, great scene and obviously it's universal because uh, the documentary's you know named after that line it's obviously everyone for some reason it just connected with people um we've got the very clever use of uh the garlic on horace's pizza burning dracula's face which <laughs> that's a nice touch <laughs> that is a nice touch it's things like that because little moments like that anyone who was into monsters as a kid does have these conversations. Like if you were, if you were attacked by a vampire, what would you do? Like, and it's like, you know, can garlic pizza, if garlic's on a pizza, can it defend against a vampire? These are genuine questions that troubled children at that age and seeing them done for real. Like, Oh, actually, yeah. Garlic pizza works. That's good to know. Good to know. Like this is a fucking documentary. (laughs) Um, And they've got a great sequence where they're driving away on the back of a Jeep and the mummy attacks them and they tie his bandage to a tree and we see the the mummy kind of disappearing in front of our eyes so good also another great moment although much as we love shane black here i think he could have had another pass at the line uh, see you later band-aid breath yeah that's bad <laughs> awful huh <laughs> really bad and uh before we get to the finale uh there is some really horrendous burger king product placement as well which is so <laughs> cringeworthy you know, if we can't fight them in the church, let's fight them in the Burger King. Cut to Burger King. Are you, um, you going to skip over the part where Patrick blackmails his own sister with stolen nude photos? Or Oh, good. Are we doing the revenge porn scene? <laughs> I mean, no. Does no one want to? You know, it, it, sat, it didn't sit very well with me. It just, felt like, we've all, it just felt like we've all done it. Therefore... <laughs> it didn't really. Yeah, I've no, go on, Vicky. Take, take it away. Take it away. No, I just wanted to highlight it. That's all. Um, there's nothing. I just couldn't believe that that was in there and that was a thing that oh, Frankenstein's monster has accidentally taken pictures of it and his own. Her, her own brother's like, look, bitch, like I own you now. So what are you gonna do? That's really weird. No. I think I think if it had come actually I think if it had come from her brother it would have softened it slightly. Yeah. But it's the fact that it's Rudy who's the one doing it who's actually saying I am going to put this up on the school notice board unless you do what we tell you, which is which makes it slightly creepier because yes. he's just a just another dude, just a dude with a photo. I mean, if it didn't give us one of the movies or indeed cinema's greatest spit takes when he first sees the photo, then (laughs) it would be a problem. But as it stands, that moment where he's sipping on the Pepsi and he's like, I was like, as a kid, I was like, that's hilarious. And he's seen boobs. Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. So Patrick's sister, she gets uh, bullied. She gets blackmailed. She gets uh, criticism for 
being a virgin and then for not being a virgin and she doesn't even That's right she doesn't even Welcome get a name to the eternal struggle we can't even we can never get it right you're a you're frigid you're slag it's awful <laughs> it's hard out there you don't know that's what it's like <laughs> bloody hell i didn't think this would be the film that finally got vicky <laughs> Touch a nerve. Uh, <laughs> Are you done? I finished. Yeah, I finished. You gonna? Can you? Do you want to? Yeah, do you want to disembark from that high if horse? If you and if you're not done, we've got Chris and I have got photos of you that we will put on the Twitter feed. So make sure you are done. Yeah. <laughs> Um, And then we have the finale, which I just think is hit after hit. Um, I was going to pick out my favourite bits of it, but I just think think it's a really well put together climax. So it starts off with Rudy uh, fighting the brides and he sort of effortlessly uh, stakes them. And then the bat attacks and we see Dracula mid-transformation. That Um, was brilliant because that was really unexpected to see like half... Bat half yeah. Dracula. You don't, you don't really see that, and um, and it looks it's a strange moment because Dracula's supposed to be uh, wait pun alert unflappable, <laughs> brilliant. Um, but to see like half bat is like oh it looks it looks weird and it looks quite weak, but that's good as in like a weak creature. The only thing mm. about Rudy is you know that scene in Anchorman where Steve Carell's character when after the fight he's like I killed a guy and <laughs> was like God you did. Um, do you not think it's weird that Rudy all of a sudden is like I'm smoking fags at school and then I'm just going to murder four people? No. Nope. Not at all. <laughs> no, because not because he's smoking a f- he's smoking a fag as he does it. That's why. Honestly, it's a real hero moment in this movie. The bit where he's pulling stakes from his back and then he's loading them into the bow and firing them at Dracula's brides with a cigarette hanging out the corner of his mouth. God, I went outside and had a cigarette when I saw that bit. <laughs> I, in the in the documentary, you see him now, um, Alex. He saw, some of the screenings when they did the Q and A, he comes in on a bike. <laughs> Which I think is really no. cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, honestly, I, I cannot explain. He was like my idol uh, when I watched this. Like when I was watching this movie, Rudy was who I wanted to be. Uh, we have the we see the, the Wolfman blown to bits and then comes back to life. And there's some really great footage behind the scenes of um, how they did this. They literally put little remote control cars into the underneath the limbs. And they're driving his arms and legs around. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Rudy shoots the wolfman with a silver bullet. And in in sort of a a brief moving moment, the man thanks him before um, dying. Uh, And that's nice because it crosses Rudy's face as well. You sort of see him, like there's a brief flicker of like, you know, the consequences. He's not... If he like, that's why I think it's quite good because he doesn't just kill him and like the guy says thank you. He's like, yeah, no worries, man, or don't worry, dude, or whatever, or just like turns around and does something else. You do see uh, him register, like you know what he's actually done. Uh, so it's it's. I think that's quite good that that's in there. It has to kill a man in order for him to realize that it's bad because he didn't have any problem killing three women about thirty seconds earlier, no. Yeah, that's that's what I'm that's, that's I, what you're I saying. Sorry, yeah, just to be clear, yeah. yeah. Okay, got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. We we get yeah. a good proper look at the Gill Man here. I think looks amazing. Um, and the Gill Man crushes a cop's head, and then we've got the moment where, um, Horace shoots him. Um, <laughs> turns around to the bully, says, "Who keep calling him Fat Kid?" Says, "My name's Horace," and cocks his gun. Which the one screaming? That a, yeah, that's a brilliant moment. But you're you've called him Horace all the way through this. But his friends don't call him Horace. His friends call him Fat Kid. Yeah. They never call him Horace. It, 
It does feel like they watched the Goonies and doubled down on it. They went, Chunk yeah. doesn't seem offensive enough. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. It, I love that Horace moment. When he's like, the name's Horace. Good for him. It's really good. But his friends should call him Horace because it's his name and they're his friends. It, get, it gets a big cheer in the cinema. I saw this at the Prince Charles uh, anniversary screening and it does get a big cheer that moment. But you're right. I mean, maybe young Shane Black thought that they needed to really hammer home that moment to keep calling him that. But you're right. His mates shouldn't yeah. be calling him that. You know, there's a lot. Oh. We've said it before. There's a lot of things that wouldn't happen now in a movie in this film. Um, really? is, it, is, it that, is it that it turns out like the best defense against monsters is just guns? Because that seems to be the message <laughs> at the end. It really wants to have its cake and eat it. It's like, turns out everything can be shot and blown up. I mean, it'll come back to life, but we still get to shoot it and blow it up first. Like Gilman, poor Gilman, it lifts like a coffin out of a swamp and then gets shot with a shotgun. That is its arc, like through this movie. <laughs> <laughs> it does fuck all else. It's like, you know, and it, it, it's supposed to be quite terrifying. Horace just goes, bang, shotgun, done it. My name's Horace. See ya. <laughs> we've, uh, we've, we've got Dracula being a complete badass, um, walking towards Phoebe while killing cops that are running at him without even looking That's at them. That's really good, yeah. Really scary, like fun, um, and just like pow, pow. Weird moment, though, when he says, give me the amulet, you bitch. So Brilliant she, moment. She's five years old. You can take it off her. Like, you just can. You don't need to. He lifts her up. Give it me, you bitch. It's like, just grab it out of her hand. She's a child. No, it's like if a vampire, a vampire has to be invited into your home, so yeah. a vampire has to be given an object you're holding. You must, you must know the rules of vampires. Oh, I, I, that's the one I've done. Pass me by. So there, uh, there's, there's quite a lot of footage of them uh, shooting that scene, and it is quite disturbing watching uh, the sweet little girl getting picked up. And she talks about it now that she, she said she wasn't scared of monsters, but she was petrified of, of Duncan, who played Dracula, uh, because he had fangs and, and red eyes. And so when she was when she was getting ready for the scene, she Fred Decker told her you need to scream, and she said, "When when do you want me to scream?" And he said, "You'll know, you'll know the moment." Oh. And he and he kept, <laughs> he kept his eyes and mouth closed the whole time, so she couldn't see the the eyes and the and the teeth. And then when the when they yelled action, he opened both and hissed at her. And apparently oh. they had to shoot it twice because the first time she tried to scream, but no air came out. She was so frightened. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> and, and and talking about it now. Oh my god! Talking That's about Talking about it now. Shane Black says, "I, I think she turned out okay. Um, I don't think or see any permanent damage, uh, but scaring the hell out of kids seemed like a great idea at the time." So, um, and she's a very nice girl. She's been on tour with Andre and and, and the guy that plays Rudy. They they go to all these screenings, and she loves the film. But um, she was terrified as a child. I'm right in thinking Dracula was going to be Liam Neeson at one point. They, were, they no. auditioned Liam Neeson for the role and um, and he didn't get it. They picked um, Duncan. Yeah, um, he wasn't known at the time, uh, but I can't pronounce his second name. Duncan Rieger. 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 Anyway, he got the part. But then uh, Fred Decker was going to put Liam Neeson in the movie in another scene um, that they didn't end up shooting where at the mansion where they're looking for the amulet, uh, there was a scene, I don't think they shot it, but it was definitely scripted where they're met by this old man who's like, we're on the same mission. I'm looking for the amulet too and starts showing them deeper into the mansion and then like finds out, you find out that actually 
um, it was Dracula in disguise, like Scooby-Doo. Cool. And he rips off the Liam Neeson mask and it's Dracula underneath. He wasn't disguised as Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson was playing the guy Dracula was disguised as. Yeah, yeah, that I would have it. been too, too meta. <laughs> I think the guy but, that uh, plays Dracula is fantastic in this, though. I think he's really he is. He's, Oh, he's good. Um, Frankenstein grabs Dracula at this point, calls him bogus and throws him onto a railing, effectively staking him. And then we've got these very sweet scenes with um, Phoebe holding Frankenstein's hand while she's saying the German. Um, And we've got the the vortex appears and um, Sean is kind of supposed to be our hero. And so we get him, he gets involved in the action and sort of wind is blowing him up in the air while he's he's trying to grab uh, Dracula. And Van, Al- Van Helsing comes out of the vortex to give him the thumbs up. Um, yeah. And at least one police officer, at least one police officer gets sucked in. I, I don't want to do that Austin Powers, but think about the henchman kind of moment. But genuinely, like, I, I don't know what's in that vortex. I can't imagine it's good. A police officer gets sucked into it. The stakes are high. The, people are really dying. Um, and then we've got, so Dracula's done away with into the vortex. And then you've got the moment when Frankenstein um, is being blown away and Phoebe says, don't go, don't go away. Uh, and it's really cute. Again, those behind the scenes sequences, watching her shoot that scene. She's so sad uh, uh, when she's throwing that cuddly toy. It's really, really sad. Um, oh, it's beautiful. It's, I honestly, I shed a tear. Shed a bloody and tear. And with that, it's over. Really uh, quick ending. Suddenly, as soon as that vortex closes, they're kind of high-fiving each other, and then we're into a horrible uh, rap song. Ooh, Brilliant rap yeah. song. Awful. It's just amazing. amazing. It, it works because that last bit, it, granted the whole song isn't great, but the bit where Sean gives the army dude the card and just says, we're the monster squad. Oh, love that. Love that ending. And then the beat comes in and then, yeah, it goes downhill. But that little moment there, the big sort of finish in the town square was the camera pulls out and, you know, that like Die Hard 2 ending, like where you sort of see the whole scene. It's great. So um, <laughs> this film uh, was a flop. There's no two ways about it. Um, and it's I mean, they're sort of trying to delve into it a little bit on, on Wolfman's Got Nards. Um, and I mentioned that you talked about the trailer earlier. As good as that trailer was, the posters were, were a disaster. Um, they were wanted posters for the monsters that were all around LA uh, with mugshots of the monsters on them. And you know that I love a pun, but the wording of these posters, the Dracula one says he's wanted for assault and battery. <laughs> and the mummy one says he's wanted for statutory rap. No. Uh, yes. No, 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 no. This is how <laughs> they sold this kid's movie. Um, and and all the, all the actors, the child stars, uh, they thought their lives were going to change with this movie. They rented limos with, with Shane Black and Fred Decker, went around LA to visit the cinemas, and, and Decker says every cinema was empty and it was absolutely oh. crushing. Uh, part of the problem, as well as the marketing, was the Lost Boys came out two weeks before and I think stole oh, a lot of their thunder. Shit. But um, hmm. the top 10 that week uh, that it came out uh, was Stake Out, The Living Daylights, Can't Buy Me Love, No Way Out, La Bamba, Master of the Universe, Disorderlies, the Fat Boys um, movie, and Robocop, The Last Boys... Uh, the Lost Boys in Summer School. The film didn't even crack the top 10. So um, it couldn't have gone worse, that release. 
But I have a weird theory that it works for me, like that this movie didn't do well. I mean, obviously not for the people in it or indeed the studio or anyone who had any vested interest in the movie being a success. But for me, like the idea of like these outcast kids who love monsters, who are the geeks, as a as someone who sort of related to that aspect of them, to then have this movie that didn't attain success, that became an outcast in itself. Like, it felt like yours. Like, even now, it feels like a movie that people have such a strong relationship with because it never attained greatness, and it is that perpetual underdog. And I think that works for me with The Monster Squad. Yeah, I mean, it's that it's that John Carpenter thing where he, he doesn't really enjoy people talking about the thing and how much people love the thing. Because for him, it... it pretty much destroyed his studio career and um in the documentary it's a similar thing you know shane black has been fine he uh he after he wrote the monster squad he wrote lethal weapon which was fast tracked and actually came out i think before the monster squad and 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 that completely transformed his career but fred decker is much more circumspect when they ask him about his feelings towards this movie he says it's my best film it reached the widest audience but it killed my career for a large period of time um, it'll probably be, be on my gravestone, but I'm ambivalent about that. Um, and he said, it's like shooting a basketball in 1987 that doesn't go in for 20 years. And <laughs> yeah, he's glad it makes people happy, but it, it didn't do him any favors. So it's, you're right, Alex, it's a tough thing, I guess. It's, it's, but that's the thing. We're kids. We don't know what hits and flops are. For us, this was in the, the same as the Goonies. But actually, in reality, in the world of show business, one of these worked and one of these didn't. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's a shame. Well, it's not a shame for the reasons I outlined, but yeah, I, I can see that if you were the director of this, Mr. Fred Decker, then it would be a, it would be a rather upsetting that a movie that you're proud of, and that is a great movie, mm-hmm. you know, didn't do well because of other people's statutory rap gags. <laughs> I mean, you could have done anything. He's got a long rap sheet done. There you go. Let's sidestep any sort of rape joke. Mm. Mm. I can't imagine how they even wrote that. Because I know. You'd have to say it rap. out loud. Ugh. Yeah, yeah, because it's got a W in it. Got so it doesn't in it. Exactly. look the same. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway. That's all I've got. Any more for any more on this one? Uh, no. I'm done, Chris. I'm done, Vicky. Me too. Let us move to the bits. Uh, now, I have some bonus bits this week. Okay. Uh, I, I messaged Andre Gower, who plays Sean, and asked him if he would send his over, and he has done. Oh, what? He's done, a, he's done his three picks. He's done his bits. <laughs> he's done his bits. And you Brilliant. know what? Um, uh, Tammy, who plays the Childlike Empress, she got back to me about doing it. And no. What, from the never-ending story? Yeah, from the never-ending story. She said, am I too late? And I said, yes, but if you've got time oh, to just man. send us a couple of sentences, we can tweet them out and read them out on, a, on another episode. So... Look out for that, hopefully coming soon. Uh, So do you want Andre's all-in-one or do you want him uh, as we uh, move through our own? No, let's let's do it as we're moving through. He should. We should do it as yeah. normal. Just oh, with the family. Added, yeah. Okay. Added Gower. All right. So, uh, should we do his first? Yeah. All right, Chris. I mean, you're in charge. Okay. Favorite scene, Andre Gow. What is your favorite scene in the Monster <laughs> Squad? Andre's favorite scene. He's got two actually, so he's already cheated. Uh, he said, uh, <laughs> "Sean and Dell up on the roof." Uh, so that's the scene where Sean is with his father watching the, I guess it's Groundhog Day Part Twelve at the drive-in, which is a very sweet 
uh, scene, a moment in the movie that we didn't touch upon. There are a few of those quite sweet moments, I think. We've just sort of gone for the action in our description of the movie. but um, And he also says the final action sequence, uh, I think he really enjoyed shooting that with the wind machine. And when you see behind the scenes, it does kind of look like he's flying. So um, a bit of behind the scenes there. Vicky, what is your favourite scene? I like the scene where they put the mummy's bandage thing on the tree and the mummy unwraps itself. That is good. The mummy's face is brilliant. It looks really scary. And the unwrapping is fun. Alex. Um, uh, uh, Can I just... Hello, Andre. Uh, Alex here. Uh, One of the three hosts of uh, Clash of the Titles. Uh, Lovely to be talking to you. I... um, I'm a big fan of uh, the movie that we've been speaking about this week, uh, and it's just great to um, have you through through Chris telling us um, your favourite bits. It's good to meet you, Alex. It's good to meet you. Oh wow! Um, so uh, one of your favourite bits is the rooftop scene, is it, Andre? Yeah, I like it when they're watching when my character is watching Groundhog Day. But this is too weird, Alex. <laughs> just do yours. Do your favourite scene. Um, the reason that I wanted to talk directly to Andre for a moment through you, Chris, is um, is because my favourite scene is also <gasps> the rooftop scene. So, yes, we've been talking about the action a lot, but I actually had that because it is genuinely one of the biggest sort of wish fulfillment moments. The idea that you could crawl uh, out of a Velux window onto your family home roof <laughs> and be in viewing distance of a drive-in cinema is truly one of the greatest things ever put on a cinema screen. And I was like, I want that in my life so much. Uh, so that is one of my two scenes. Didn't just add it in to chat to Andre Alex, there. I love Back that. with you guys now. I love that. Yep. You, you, and, you and me and Rudy can be friends and we can hang out now. Really? Are you, is is how is Rudy these days? Is he still smoking? Yeah, come join the club. Because I, because I am, I am. So I won't lie, Andre. If Rudy's given up, um, it's going to piss me off a little bit because my chest hurts every day, uh, and it's all because of him. So I hope I hope he's in a similar amount of pain. <laughs> um, the other scene that I uh, liked is. Um, it's almost one shot, actually, so I don't know if you'd call it a scene, is um, the bit where the squad and Frankenstein are silhouetted against a sunset and they're all walking away from camera, holding hands. It's like, that should have been your freaking poster. It's an amazing shot, and it looks like like it's just really heartfelt and beautiful, and I loved it. So that scene, shot. Uh, I've got to go with Wolfman's Got Nards due to how much it made me and my brother laugh when we were kids. Simple as that. Um, who? What do you think Sean's favourite character is in the Monster Squad? Andre's or Sean's? Andre's. Sorry. <laughs> oh, get confused. And <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm think uh, Sean's. Uh, Sean, Andre's favourite character is going to be Sean because it's him. What do you think, Vicky? Uh, is we'll pick his dad character because they had such a nice time together. He has picked the same as me. Uh, We've both gone for Phoebe. Oh, that's cute. Uh, He hasn't put any more explanations. So I I, I love Phoebe. I wish she'd got her own spin-off movie. Um, (laughs) In the same way that my favourite character in Stranger Things is Erica. I think uh, that that character was obviously influenced by Phoebe. And um, 
yeah, I just think she's brilliant, and 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 uh, and I think it's it's good to include her here because of what they put her through at the end. She deserves the accolade. I'm struggling. I'm struggling to remember Stranger Things. Is Phoebe the demogorgon? Demigor- demogorgon thing? <laughs> yeah, that's is that right. called exactly. Phoebe? Yeah. That's right. correct. Right. Uh, Vicky, who's your favourite character? Um, so it. it in keeping with it being MVW, I would say right. Stan Winston yeah. uh, because I think the creatures the creatures are so good. They really, really are good. But also, every single grown up actor is really giving it some, and I think that is very commendable because it it would be too much if they found it all a bit ridiculous. Do you know what I mean? Like they have to be as scary as the kids think they are, so they have to be genuinely scary and not too camp and not too um, flimsy. Also, just wanted to mention. Um, Sean's dad <laughs> because when Sean says to him oh aren't you and mum going out tonight and he just says yeah we're going to go and see a marriage counsellor <laughs> I think you've got respect that sort of strange there's no boundaries between you and your son where I'm not <laughs> sure it's that helpful to say to him me and your mum we're in real fucking trouble here son so we're not off to a fancy restaurant we're going to see a uh, counsellor to make sure that we don't split up so Yes, also the dad, just because he doesn't seem... The scene on the roof is really lovely, but other than that, he doesn't seem much like a dad at all <laughs> like, mm-hmm. in, in that respect. Yeah, you, ima- you imagine some of the stuff with their marriage potentially breaking up with some of the stuff that got left out of Shane Black's original script because it's yeah. kind of weird. It's a bit of an anomaly here, isn't it? Um, it keeps popping up without really going anywhere. Yeah, oh my God, because then the bit where he, they're meant to be going to the marriage counsellor. He goes to the door. She goes, where are you going? And it's like he was just going to leave without saying. So he's walking out of their appointment to see a marriage counsellor without even saying, oh, sweetheart, I can't make it. If she'd not caught him walking out, he just would have mysteriously disappeared. I don't think he's fully in it. Yeah, it's a bit underdeveloped. <laughs> um, Alex, you're right about the adults gi- giving it their all, though. Uh, Stan Shaw, who plays um, Sean's dad's cop partner, he's really good in it until he meets his fiery death in a car <gasps> from so what a petrol bomb? Oh no, dynamite! Yeah, because Dra- Dracula uses dynamite as well as all his other skills. He, uh, <laughs> you don't see that often in a movie. Chucking a <laughs> stick of dynamite. Uh, it's not, not one of Dracula's famous traits. Normally, he's a bloodsucker in this. Dynamite, love it. Um, Tom Noonan, though. I can't believe we didn't mention Tom Noonan, obviously, because we talked about him so much and how good he is as Francis Dollarhide in Manhunter when we did that episode. He's so good as Frankenstein. Like, I think a, yeah. a lot of that is his performance. Um, but my favourite character, uh, I don't know if I've mentioned him, um, Rudy? Yeah, the the guy who smokes, that's his trait. <laughs> the guy who smokes. The child <laughs> who smokes. Uh, excellent. And I will say Andre's last uh, this time. So, Vicky, what would you change if you could change anything? So, uh, the line that Alex mentions at the end when, uh, just before it, it finishes, and they're like, we're the monster squad, and it's a real power moment. Like, here we are, we're the squad, kind of like maybe setting up the sequel. I think what should have happened earlier is you show the gang trying and failing to be a monster squad rather than just sort of forming on the spot. Obviously, they're a group of friends, but um, Sean says, are we the monster squad or what? Let's, let's step up and take on this challenge. But I think it would have been more of a payoff if you'd shown them causing trouble in the town, trying to solve crimes by thinking it's a monster, stuff that didn't wasn't really happening. So they were a nuisance to the town. So the town doesn't believe that these kids are, can be a monster squad. So then when they save the town at the end, you've got that real rush of the town believes them they've saved the day they're the best guys for the job there you go for a sequel yeah i mean i i'm I'm sort of with vicky in the sense that 
I don't know what the low point is before the climax in this film. I'm, I'm really unsure. You know, you know, every like there needs to be a bit where you're like, oh my god, the the team's fallen apart. Mm. Like they've broken up. They're not working together. They've fallen out. Like anything that just makes you. But in, in this, it seems to go from like the, the nothing really. Like they don't falter once on their mission to defeat the monsters. And I just think it would have been. It would have been nice to see them fail. <laughs> uh, but you know what I mean? If like if um, one of them had gone missing or there'd been something bad happened to the team or they'd broken up, that, yeah. would, that would have helped before the big climax. And, that, and it doesn't, doesn't have that. So, um, yeah, that, that would be mine. Or, uh, yeah. 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 More, more, more Rudy maybe as well. More, <laughs> or if Rudy had smoked more in it, like there'd been a funny moment where he had three cigarettes in his mouth. <laughs> Uh, mouth. If he more, more than one mouth, if he had three cigarettes in his mouths. For me, we've touched upon the casual homophobia and the fat shaming and the slut shaming. So uh, that's all got to go. But I'm kind of with you guys loosely in what you're saying. Um, I'm always complaining about films being too long on here, I feel like. But I feel like this one could have used a bit more. Uh, it was too short. Um it was too straightforward. So as Alex says, let's put in some twists and turns. Let's have an all is lost moment. Let's develop some of those um, relationships. Because I think it clocks in at about 80 minutes. Um, mm. And it could have easily gone for another 20, uh, which would have been nearer the length of the Goonies, actually. And yeah, I just think, you know, maybe if they could have kept in some of what was in that original script, which is Andre's uh, thing he would change. So he. Oh, hello, Andre. <laughs> he says, um, excuse me. I'd like to travel back in time and shoot all the pages from the original drafts and from our shooting script. There was so much depth and character development, backstory and examples of the kid's knowledge and some crazy shit from Shane's mind, like invading Zeppelins. So uh, what you referenced at the start. So, yeah, that opening sequence um, for budgetary reasons got dropped. And then um, evidently there was a lot more of what I just talked about. Uh, I guess that was in the back of my head when I was doing mine. So, yeah, we wanted more Monster Squad. Well, I mean, was it in the back? Was it was, was it in the back of your head, Chris, or did you read Andres first before you came up with yours? Because it's weird how you sort of segued quite nicely from. And strangely, Andre thinks exactly the same as what I think. So it's just weird. Uh, but I did. Chance I did write mine thing. before he sent me his. That is a fact. Did you? Yeah, that's a fact. I don't know. Well. I'm going to need video evidence, and that would involve me seeing a video of you, and I'd love that, actually. Should we get on to the verdict, Alex? Yeah! You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! All right, then, what's the verdict this week? Chris, um, what are you going for? Actually, do you know what? I'll just just do mine, because I think, once again, I've made it quite obvious. Um, Or would someone else like to go first? Do we have a preference this week? Uh, I'll go first if you like. (laughs) All right, good. Um, Just because of everything that Chris and Andre just said, the script for The Monster Squad, it just feels a bit underdeveloped. So The Goonies to me is just a more complete film. I don't think, you know, it wasn't. I didn't love either of them as much as I thought I was going to. It's not the Monster Squad's fault that I didn't. My expectations were too high because of Ghostbusters, and that's not their fault how much I love Ghostbusters. Um, But And with The Goonies, like I never loved it that much. But I just did. It just edges it. I just loved it a little bit more than Monster Squad this time. So my choice is the Goonies. 
Unexpected. I didn't see that coming, actually. I thought after your lukewarm review of the Goonies, you'd be going for the Monster Squad, but interesting. Chris, do you want to go or should I go? Uh, you can go, Alex. You seem very keen to go, so just go. <laughs> no, you go. No. I don't want to go now. No, you've don't re- do this. I really don't. Don't do this. No, I don't don't do this. It's embarrassing. <laughs> just stop it. Stop it. Listen to me. Stop it. <laughs> Uh, all right, I'll go. So I I came in with a favourite. I leave with a favourite. It's the movie that spoke to me the most as a kid. It's the movie I've seen in double figures and watched religiously as a child. Um, in this corner, in Shay, me, right now, in this room, I'm the Monster Squad. <laughs> Interesting. Well, I didn't come into this one with a favourite because I love both of these films and I really didn't know which way I was going to lean. Uh, the Goonies has a special place in my heart because it's the one that really spoke to me when I was a kid. But I've had to do some self-reflection this week and I think I've been lying to myself. What? I think Why? I think I like the music in the Goonies and the town and the idea of being in a gang and having an adventure. But I don't think I actually like the film all that much. Um, especially watching it with the eyes of, through the eyes of an adult where I found it a bit exhausting. I thought it felt like it needed to get to the pirate stuff quicker and I wasn't fan a fan of some of the sentimentality and I didn't like the ending all that much. And the Monster Squad feels a bit more oh. authentic watching it um, through adult eyes. I'm so excited. Um, is this going the way I think it's going? <laughs> this is exciting. Um, I feel like the kids act and say a bit more like real kids would rather than maybe what executives think it would be funny for kids to do and say. And it doesn't have the budget and scale of the Goonies, but I think it's got more memorable moments and a better ending. Now, when I was at Comic-Con, I actually interviewed uh, Sean and Rudy, Andre Gower and Ryan Lambert, and I asked them what was better, Goonies or Monster Squad? Who was the better gang? And they, they said to me, they fought Mama from the train and we fought Dracula. Their neighbourhood was turning into a golf course and we killed monsters and saved the freaking world. <laughs> and so on that evidence, and because I'm a monster guy rather than a pirate guy, I'm going for the Monster Squad. Woo! Yeah! Bring it! Um, yeah, that's great. I'm happy about that. I wouldn't have had a little mini huff as I sometimes do if uh, the Goonies had won, but I am very pleased the Monster Squad won. Could be controversial. Do you think? Uh, yeah, maybe. I, uh, I, think, I think maybe the Goonies fans... Um, are greater in number, but damn it, the Monster Squad fans have bigger uh, um, hearts. Hearts, thanks, Chris. Great. Let's do next week's films. What are you picking, Chris? Alex, I'm giving you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wait. What? What? Do you want to do the clue again? Do the clue. One reminders of the clue. The clue was the show must go on. Yeah, I meant it as tension building, not because I'd forgotten. The show must go on. Now I'm tension building. The show <laughs> must go on. Hmm, Victoria, have you got any guesses? The show must go on. Uh, please let it be Sister Act, <laughs> but I don't think it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is it The Greatest Showman? It is not. The clue was much more to one film than the other, but that one film, it was then your, your key into the other film. So the films are Alex... You are going to yep. be looking at the life and times of Farouk Bolsara, a.k.a. Freddie Mercury, because you're doing Bohemian Rhapsody. 
The show must go on. Vicky, you are looking at the life and times of Reginald Kenneth Dwight, a.k.a. Elton John, as you are doing Rocket Man. I'm so tempted to sing. Right, so um, Yellow Brick Road for me is a karaoke favourite, but it's so fucking hard to sing it, so I'm not going to embarrass myself. But thank you so much. I've never been thanked before. <laughs> what I'm doing one of these. I really love that song. You're welcome. Really love and it. next week you will be singing. Everyone can hear a little bit of Vicky singing Yellow Brick Road, which is exciting. Yeah. Oh, I'm so, I'm oh. so close to singing it now. I love it. Okay, I'll work and if on you, it. If, if you've not heard Vicky sing, it's a kind of magic. <laughs> It's a kind of magic. <laughs> uh, right then, we are done for another week. Uh, the Monster Squad is our winner. It's trounced the Goonies, or it won at least. Choose your words. We'll be back with Bohemian Rhapsody versus Rocket Man from Monday. Please subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. Raters, reviewers, if you see fit, and also stay in touch at ClashPod on Twitter or show at clashpod.com on email back on Monday. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. This was a Stakhanov production. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.